Do you know what it takes to move good to great? Are you almost where you need to be but not quite there yet? Find your way to success today. Welcome to the James Stentley Show with Dr. James Stentley. We've got the tips and guidance you need to propel your success to the next level. Now, here's your host, Dr. James Stentley. Hello, welcome back, everyone. This is Dr. James Dentley here, and it must be Friday because here we are, and welcome to the James Dentley Show, where we don't think outside of the box. You know why? Because, hey, there is no box, and if there's no box, there's only possibility for people like you and I. You know, as we go out to inspire the world to think about your dreams, think about your hopes, think about your possibilities, things that, that, you, know that's, that, that you know there's more for you in your life, you think about that, you know, just understand that we live our lives as if it's one big story, a continuous story. It has a beginning, it has content in the middle, it's filled with drama, hopes, tears, laughter, joy, and then it comes to an ending. But the great thing about the greatest movies, the movies that are about your life, movies, movies of your life, is that they impact and empower and ignite the hearts, the minds, and the spirits of so many other people. At the same token, you know, there's this old song that says, if I can help someone along the way, then my living would not be in vain. So, first of all, I want to start off with the premise that everybody matters, that everything matters, that everyone you meet is important because they will be a great example or a terrible reminder. When you look at your story, you know, Les Brown always talks about your stories are, are designed to distract, dispute, and then inspire, to distract a person from the life that they're living right now, from the challenges in our lives. You know, sometimes people feel as though they're stuck or they feel like they're alone or they feel a little confused. They don't know where to go. They're fed up. And sometimes we have these days where we're blissful. You know, think about it. Thank God it's Friday. You know, so, you know, a day is just really a day. They're all the same. Sometimes it rains, it snows, it's hot, it's cold, it's chilly, but it's still a day. The question is, who are you going to be inside of the day? Because those are the things that we get to control. We don't control the weather. We don't control where the clouds move, where the sun shines. We can control who we're going to be, and we're going to be the sunshine every single day in our life. And I suggest to you that we can do that. I suggest to you that when we think that way, then we open up a possibility. We spread out our imagination, and we understand that we're limitless. There's no limits in your living. Uh, that's a bold statement. So how do I say that? Why can I uh, sit there confidently and make that statement? Well, because I've seen a lot and I've read even more. And I remember reading about uh, once upon a time that uh, the human existence lived in a cave. They had no light, they had no furniture, they had no comforters, they had no pillows, they had no television, they had no cell phone, they had no social media. Oh, imagine that. I know the millennials was just dying. Oh, no, how did you survive? And that's the evolution of men and women. Um, you know that we always strive to become better. It's like climbing the center, build the Tower of Babel, always striving to, to reach the stars, to reach the heavens. You know, man looked up in the sky and, and believed that we can actually fly. And now we're flying three, four, five hundred people at a time in, this, in a tin can with wings on it. You know, so don't tell me what's not possible. You know, we've been able to see the unseen through a microscope. We've been able to split an atom. You know, we've been able to, to break the atmospheric boundaries, boundaries of a, uh, just the atmosphere of the earth itself to break through to go to explore the galaxies. We found different advances in medicine and the way that uh, procedures are done today. Uh, we found the way that 
we can explore and look at our plants and the things that grow naturally out the ground and what, how they can benefit us even more. Just think about George Washington Carver. He's in a little barn and he finds a way to make 300 uses of a peanut and then turns around and gets 600 out of a sweet potato. So I'm saying this to tell you that, that it's not over until you win, that each and every one of you listening under the sound of my voice, and I want you to go spread this message to people who are not listening, to be here next week, because you matter. And we got some great work that we can do. And if you want to do something big, then you have to have something big to think about. So I want to challenge each and every one of you to think bigger, to dream bolder. You understand that when life has got you beat down and you have you down and out, you're not feeling good today, you're not feeling hopeful today, all you really have to do is dream a bigger dream. Now, when you look at distract, dispute, and inspire, distract the person from the story that we have. So if your story is not trailing the way you want to, look at every storyboard in Hollywood. You'll find that 90% of them, there is a hero in the story, a main character in the story. And in the hero's journey, there's something that they want to accomplish, to, to obtain, or something they want to avoid in the story. There's always a nemesis. There's always a, something that's holding them back. Sometimes it's sickness. Sometimes it's uh, a, a, another lover that's involved. Or sometimes it's a, a monster that's involved. It's always something they must overcome in the story. And in the story, most of the time, they're going to meet a mentor, a coach. They're going to meet a guide. And that guide is going to then give them a plan and get them to take action. Remember the Karate Kid with Mr. Miyagi? You know, there's this little kid, nice kid. He's in a strange town and he's being bullied, okay? And he's being bullied and he doesn't want to be bullied anymore. So he's the main character. He doesn't want to be bullied, but he meets the guy, Mr. Miyagi, who gives him a plan. And in most cases, they give you a plan. And most of the time, we fight against the planner. We fight against the, the conductor. We fight against the coach because we, we need to be right. We want to anchor anchor ourselves and I need to be right. This is part of the human condition to validate ourselves where we are. And I don't, it doesn't matter where you come from, where you live, how you're living. The human mind is designed to survive at all costs, to thrive within this environment, to adapt to an environment, to survive, and then to thrive in that environment. Even if that environment it is created, is limited because it is created its own environment like most of us have. You know, we decided what our lot in life is and then we argue against the possibilities because that's not being Realistic. You know, if you think about, uh, they used to say the world was flat and there was a group of people who dared to, to say, well, perhaps it wasn't. Now, they didn't have a spaceship or a plane. They couldn't go up in the air to see it. So they had to yet believe in this so much, so much. They yet believed that they, they got in the three ships, the Nina, the Pina, and the Santa Maria, to sail off the edge of the earth. And most people thought they were absolutely crazy. Thought they were losing their mind. They'd never see these people once again. And if it had not been for that bold step to go against society, to go against everything that was known at that time, the gather that it had to be more. Think about it. There has to be more. Ask yourself a question in your own life. You believe it has to be more for you. Is it more for your children? Is it more for your community, more for your city, more for your country? Is it more for the world? Can you actually say that it has to be more? It has to get better than what it is today? The answer to that is going to be yes all the time. So they set sail. And that was a faith walk. You know, the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Now, so where do we get that from? Where do we get that courage? I believe that we already have it. Just like the Wizard of Oz. And 
the cleanse of the good which looked at Dorothy and said, everything you ever needed, you already had it inside. So we already had it. So how do we activate that? How do we ignite a belief? How do we begin to believe that there's more for us? Well, we have to use our imagination because everything in life happens twice, the thought and then the thing. So what can we imagine? We always say that the thinker thinks and the prover proves. What does the thinker think? Or whatever the prover proves. What does the prover prove? Whatever the thinker thinks. We talked about in another episode of the show, the captain and the crew. And I call the captain your conscious mind and the crew your subconscious mind. Now, I kind of validate this by using the example of your alarm clock. Have you ever had to get up very early in the morning and uh, you knew you had to make an airplane or you just really couldn't be late and it's pretty early? You called other people to make sure that you were up. You set your alarm clock and you set the alarm on your phone because you had to be up. It was critical. But then you woke up maybe 30 minutes before it was time to get up. Because when you lock it into your conscious mind, you're giving a command to the subconscious. The challenge is that we don't command the subconscious to do anything. The conscious mind says, I'm tired. I'm going to sleep. And the crew says, yee, we get to play. The cat sleep. Let's go at it. <laughs> Let's go at it. Let's eat cheese, cheese, cheese everywhere. Let's have it. Rick, have it. Just have fun. We represent the lollipop kids. Just go at it. Because we have not set a command out to the universe and to our subconscious to instruct it. It's just like you ever went to bed and you had a problem to solve. Maybe you were at school, at work, or there was a challenge. Or you had, you're trying to make a decision and you couldn't figure out what the decision was. So you, but in your mind, when you went to bed, you know, you got to find a way out. And then when you went to bed the next day or later that day, you found out the answer. The answer came, came to you. Because when you locked it in, with the captain, locks it into the crew, the crew works when the captain goes to sleep. You see, the challenge is that if you don't command as the captain in your conscious mind what the crew should do, then the crew's running the ship. And you're going to have mutinies. It's going to be a party. They don't stop, man. They're going to be at it because it's so noisy. So as a captain, you must command the crew. As a conscious mind, you must command the subconscious mind. And then the subconscious mind will say, aye, aye, sir. Aye, aye, ma'am, and they'll go at it. But if you don't do that, you leave them to their own devices, and we wake up with the same level of confusion, and we build upon it, and build upon it, and build upon it. And it becomes just part of our nature. It becomes a part of who we are. We set our paradigm there. These are the things that we define as truths in our lives. Okay? But where did they come from? They didn't come from the captain, the leader. They came from the crew. So, first of all, you have to... Define and get clarity, write that word down, clarity on the things that you really want. What do you want? What do you want? Now, if you're not sure, then just come up with something because it can always evolve, and it will, and it should. We'll always keep evolving. So what is it that you really, really want? Okay. You can go ask other people. I'm, I'm a little confused. I don't know what they really want. You know, what do you want? And open up possibility because at the end of the day, people will normally say something that's superficial, something that's material, something that has to do with money or something that has to do with uh, saving the world. But in the end of the day, I really believe that people just want to be somebody to have done something special with their life, to find a sense of purpose. I remember a book called The Purpose Driven Life, bestseller, because people seek or drawn to a sense of purpose. So let's get an idea about what you want. Now, if you're not clear, get a sheet of paper 
and just number it one to 20 and start writing down what do you want? What do you want? One, two, what do you want? Now look at the paper and then put them in order of what's more important to you. What's going to jump out in your spirit? What is it that you really want? Okay, now, now you're still building the story. Okay, I was talking about the guide, Mr. Miyagi, and the job of the guide is to help you with a plan, get you to take action, be accountable, okay, to help you uh, reach your destination of success and avoid failure or death. Now, how do we connect these two uh, philosophies, these two topics I'm talking about? Well, because when you're writing out the things you want, you're setting a framework for your movie, for your book, for your story, for your future. You see, you can tell the future if you're willing to write it. So you want to live in a futuristic world because everyone who's ever created anything, they created something by definition means it did not exist beforehand. That's what creation means, to make something out of nothing but a thought, okay? And that's what a magic, that's where the power lies. So when you look at your storytelling, uh, you want to distract the person from the life that they're living right now, from the truth they, they're in their life that I'm not good enough, I'm being bullied, nobody cares about me, I don't have any friends, or, or I don't know if she really loves me, I don't know if he really loves me, I don't know, you know if, if my parents really care about me, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know, because anytime there's a perceived lack or loss of love, control, power, or love, excuse me, I said love, control, power, or worthiness, that's when we start to spin as a human being. If we perceive that someone doesn't love us, or we're not going to be loved, or we're not worthy of being loved, they will find a way to tear it down. But see, these are the stories that we have created in our own mind. My wife uh, gave me an example the other day. She said, perhaps some, imagine that you're driving down the street, and you see a car that looks like you're Significant other's car, your husband, your wife, boyfriend, girlfriend. And it looks like their car. As you get closer, you see someone of the opposite sex that you don't know driving that car. Now, you have to look over to the side. You see that car. And immediately, there's an emotion that hits you like you get hit in the gut. Immediately, that happens. As you drive a little closer, you find out that it wasn't their car after all. And the emotion shifts. Rule number one, learn to separate how you feel from what you know to be true. Nowhere in the Bible, as I was looking at this, and Kara and I were discussing it, we looked through and said, okay, we can't find the words feeling in there a lot. Because sometimes feelings are fleeting. You know, like, feel like my heart is broken. And you, you feel like you're hurt inside. You can't go on. And now you create this story, and now you create this story, and now your nervous system goes along with the story because the conscious mind, the captain, made a command, the crew's following now you feel a certain way because now you're woke, but you're still sleeping. The crew is taking over the ship because the captain is no longer in control. You see? So then you have to understand, separate how you feel from what you know to be true. Mm. That means you have to learn to ask yourself questions. Why am I feeling this way? Is it just a feeling or is it real? Why do I feel I'm by myself? Around a lot of people, it's ridiculous. Why do I feel like my heart is broke if my heart was broke, wouldn't I be dead? Maybe it's a story. So how can I move out of the story? And if it's not a chemical imbalance, and, and sometimes you can conquer that with food, or you can move, you definitely can conquer that by the way you move your body. If you're feeling down and 
out. Like I was dead tired, man. I was with my therapist early today because I had the surgery on my knee, my torn meniscus, and had sciatica on the right leg. I went to the gym and they beat me up every day and I kept going back for more. Just sadistic, man. Ugh. Ugh. Everything hurt. Shoulder hurt, arms hurt, thighs, tries, quads, calves, everything hurt. <laughs> I've been in pain every day, and I keep getting back up and going to that gym. They say, soak up the Epsom salt and some vinegar. Still hurt. Because I understand the outcome, and I know if I don't do it, then I'm going to hurt myself even more moving forward. You know, so you get to, we get in these stories of emotion, and then we get, to set, we get a chance to make that critical decision at a critical time. So we're going to take a short break, and I'm going to come right back, and we're going to call a bit further with the principles of powerful storytelling and how you – to take your story to distract, dispute, and then inspire the lives of other people. There's no limits in your living. Each and every one of you has a life that matters, a life that's full and rich. Now, maybe you haven't gotten everything you want, but then that's a mindset and action that goes behind that to attain that. But once you understand the principles, then you can change the story because you're the writer, you're the editor, you hold the lighting, you even create the costumes. Everything that makes a story what it is, you get to create. We'll be right back with the principles of powerful storytelling. Find out what makes the most successful people tick. Keep listening to the Voice America Empowerment Channel. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com Mental illness affects more people than you might think. Now there's a program that showcases support resources, how many people in our society view mental illness, and how the culture surrounding it is changing. Listen for We Are Hope with co-founder and host Sean Perry. Mental health is being seen as a public health crisis, and we want to help, support, and listen. You'll hear the discussions and conversations that need to happen. Tune in every Thursday at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, noon Pacific, on Voice America Empowerment. If you are ready to be inspired, energized, and entertained, you've come to the right place with our two life-changing programs at BeTheStarYouAreRadio.com. Live every Wednesday at 4 p.m. Pacific Time, 7 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Listen for our lifestyle show, Star Style, Be The Star You Are, with our host, Cynthia Bryan. Then on Sundays at 3 p.m. Pacific, 6 p.m. Eastern, Teens Talk and the World Listens on Express Yourself Teen Radio. Play with with us at be the star you are radio.com and the voice america empowerment channel you're listening to black friday every friday here on the voice america empowerment channel grow evolve change You're tuned in to The James Stentley Show. We'd love to hear from you via email with questions and comments. Drop us a line to JD at thejamesstentleyshow.com. Again, that's JD at thejamesstentleyshow.com. Now, back to the show. Hey, welcome back to the show. Now, we were talking about building your story. We're talking about emotions. We're talking about how they're fleeting. We're talking about psychology. We're talking about the conscious and the subconscious. Now, as you're building these stories, I want to connect the dots because the key to creating success in any area of your life is keeping the story connected. I'll give you an example. 
I was just talking a moment ago about um, how I got a personal trainer. Now, those who know me know that I was I was a martial artist for 13 years. I used to dance. I used to dance on Soul Train. I used to, I was in great shape. I used to box. I used to run. I used to play all sports. And when I got diagnosed with sarcoidosis, and I was on prednisone for a while, uh, eight years, I went from like 220 pounds to 230 pounds to 370 pounds. It seemed like it was like just like that. Couldn't happen that fast. I probably ate my way there. But when you're on that steroid, it's hard to, to move it off. So you just started to accept what life is. Because, again, life, the job of life is to live, to survive, to thrive. So even under that rest, the body adjusts and you find a way to get comfortable. You just go from a 1X to a 2X, a 3X to a 4X to a 5X. <laughs> so, so you just live this way until something happens and you're sick and tired of being tired and sick. I started to see people I knew. Uh, that had the same disease die. Wow. I saw, saw people with other diseases that were younger than me die. And that didn't really fix it for me. I had to find a reason to live. Now, I still was coaching. I used to be a life coach, but I stopped that because at 370 pounds, I didn't feel comfortable give, being your life coach. <laughs> I had some spanies to do. <laughs> no, so I didn't want to do that, but I was a good business coach. And I was a great coach for speakers and a great coach with helping people start their home-based businesses. I had done it all over the world. So I still did what I, what I, what I, what I learned to do, what I became, the thing that was uh, planted inside of me, the seeds that were nourished inside of me that already blossomed. And once those seeds, and just like a grass seed, once you get it in there, it starts to grow and you cut it, it grows, you cut it, it grows. And then it can die a little bit, have a terrible winter or a drought. But then when it gets a little drop of nourishment on it, it just grows back. So I can never escape the things that were planted inside of me. The question is, what are you planting? What are you allowing other people to plant inside of you? Okay, because that's what's going to continue to grow. You know, so if you don't do anything, then weeds are going to grow. You don't need to plant negative seeds; they're all around us. Okay, but we must plant seeds that are going to bear us the fruit, that bear us the outcome that we desire in our life. So, so, <clears throat> so I got past sarcoidosis and during the detox. cancer and I lost like 120 pounds at, at the top at, at my peak of this comeback and then when I had cancer they put me on a, uh, they put me on a hormone I gained 40 pounds back mm. okay so okay now so now the cancer is gone and now we got to get this stuff out of my body well, that's a challenge in itself so I decided to go get um, go get a personal trainer now I said that I want to try for a marathon by the end of the year I'm still going to do it I got a trainer, and one of the motivations was I want to get out there after the knee was repaired with my torn meniscus in my right knee, and it was sciatica on the left. So now I got pain in the right knee, and when that goes away, the moment it goes away, I got pain on the left. And the left hurt so bad, I didn't care about the right knee. Then the right knee hurt so bad, the left knee, the left hip felt better. So I got this trainer because I knew I had to build up my quads, build up my hands, build up my glutes, build them up, build up my strength, and build up and lose some weight, and then I could take the pressure off the sciatica. See, so there were certain steps for me to get better and I understood them. Now, they're painful steps because I walk in the house every day sore, but feeling good because I accomplished something. So my point being that don't be afraid to go through the hard stuff and don't be afraid to go through the stuff that makes you sore, that makes you ache. No one wants to punish themselves and hurt themselves, but somebody on the other side of the pain is the victory. So. I'm telling you that because I'm writing my own story. I'm writing a new chapter. 
So what chapter of your life are you ready, ready to rewrite today? Are you ready to inspire someone else that they can turn the page on their story? And anything, any nemesis, any challenge or person that's holding you back, everything and everyone does not have to make it to chapter eight because you're the writer, you're the creator, you're the star, you're a story. So, so I'm creating the story and I'm, I'm going through the painful parts knowing that the other side of the pain will be victory. So I just keep going every single day. I went to the therapist today to get some, some therapy. And boy, they wore me out so bad. They rub you down so much, put so much ice, so much heat. They rub you down. They, they, they twist your body. He's also a chiropractor. Man, they realigned all this stuff. And when I came home, I was felt like I'd been beat up. I was so tired until it was time to do this show. So when it came time to do the show, I go into my meditative state. I go into my prayerful state. And then I go to my empowerment state. And I show up. Mm. And I feel no pain whatsoever. All I feel is what's possible and what's in front of me. So what do you get from that? When you place your head and your idea and your mindset, focus on a worthy idea of something bigger than just yourself, then you're going to respond. You want to get out of depression? Then first of all, change the way you hold your body. Move. You want to get clarity? Move. Go for a walk. Go for the run. Just lean back outside and look at the clouds roll and look at your creator and all the great things that we get to enjoy while we're here. Because so often, how many of you cannot remember the last time you just went outside to relax and just lay in the grass? Or if you're like me, allergic to grass, don't lay in it. Just step back on the bench and look at the grass and breathe. Hear the birds. Watch the children play. Reflect on your history because all the good times, because then you get to relive them a second time. All these are part of your story. And when you understand what your story is, right now, you wrote it down. This is why I am. Now you want to keep the story connected. You see, if I'm working out, all I have to do is get through Friday. And today I was I didn't have to work out today. I went to therapy, but I work out in the morning. Okay. So I had to keep it connected. So the workout, I had to connect it to the next workout. And then what I'm going to do and how I'm going to eat on Saturday and start connecting the dots, connecting the dots with nutrition, connected dots to the things going to make me better. So if money's an issue, okay, what are you going to do right here, right now? How can you create value that brings the money? What do you have in your home that you'll never wear again, you'll never use again? It's down there that may be a value to somebody else. Perhaps you can sell it. What talents and abilities do you have? That's in your story. Go back to your story. I mean, in life, you live it forward. You understand it backwards. So you go back in that story and you say, okay, um, I'm pretty good at this. Perhaps I can market these talents, these gifts, these capabilities, and bring it to the marketplace. Perhaps I can market that. Help someone who does not have my gift. We all have our own gifts. But we got to connect the dots. Connect the dots. Now, why is the money important? Well, because you can't help people in need if you can't help yourself. <clears throat> Most people don't have a lot of time because they spend all their time trying to make money. Most people, if they stop making money, the best way for them to get on their feet is the mystery car payments. It's going to come very quickly. So you have to have some money. You know, the work we do in our nonprofits, we have 75 kids. We feed catered meals to them uh, five days a week. And then we invest and pay for the staffing for that. It's tens of thousands of dollars every year. And we're honored to do it because I remember uh, my children and my nieces and nephews going through that program and, and just how they turned out, what that program was able to do for them. And now as a board member, I realized that the biggest challenge with most nonprofits, they can't raise money. 
You know, so if I have some money, then we can solve the problem because it's not about prestige. I don't go and take a bow. I don't go to their events. I don't go there and let them honor me. I never do. I just want to do the good work because that makes me feel good because there was a time I couldn't do it. I just wanted what everybody wants, just to be somebody, to do something significant, to do something that was purposeful, that can touch the lives of somebody else, to continue building out my story. That inspires me. So I can distract people from their story by listening to mine. You go to a movie, they distract you from whatever's going on in your life, and um, and then if, if there's a, a soulful moment, you feel soulful. If there's a, a moment that, that makes us sad and a tear comes down their eye, and it could be a victorious moment or it could be a sad moment or it'd be a moment of completion. And the music, the soundtrack, the soundtrack behind what you see gets an emotion that you enroll in. They make you laugh. They make you cry. They make you frightened. It's all set up. It's all staged. And it's all a story. So as we build out our own story, we get to say, uh-uh, number one, I'm not going to hit an iceberg. Number two, I'm, I can change the name, not to Titanic. We don't hit icebergs around here. So we hit the iceberg and ice blitz. How about that? So now we get to redefine our story and we command that with the conscious mind to the subconscious mind and we go. We keep the story connected. It means the next day we add to the story. Next day we add to the story. Next day we add to the story. But you can't do it without, first of all, getting clarity on what you want. Understand that it's your story, your life and you can shift it. Nelson Mandela, 27 years in an African prison, he made a decision that he had to let go of being angry and bitter at this unjust incarceration because he could not come out and lead his people with resentment and hate. He can't lead his people when he's clouded with all the things of negativity, focus on things that's already happened that he can never erase. But he could take those things and stand on top of them to inspire a nation, but he had to build a story to distract, to dispute that when you come out of a terrible situation, it does not mean that you're terrible. That's an event, it is not an identity, that I will create a new identity. Today, I will begin a new life. Today, I will begin a new life. You see, your story can, can be used to help take a person on a journey within themselves that they can never go on by themselves. You can take a person and move them from a journey that they have within themselves, of these emotional roller coasters, to a place where they can never go by themselves. Like when you go to the movies. Why do people go to the movies? Why do people go to church? Why do people go to bars? Why do people do drugs? Why do people go and play and hang out? Because they feel different. And they chase, we chase feelings. But I think, first of all, we just have to learn how to feel and be okay there and separate how we feel and what to know to be true. I remember getting a new job. I felt like I had butterflies. You ever felt that anxiety in a new job and you experienced? Feel like you had butterflies and you're nervous? I thought about it. I can't have butterflies. If they did an EKG, wouldn't be any butterflies. I didn't eat any caterpillars. I shouldn't swallow them alive. So it's just made up. So why am I feeling this way? And when I assess that, that I can shift the feeling. I get back on path and back on purpose. Because even in the marketing for the greatest people out there, look at social media, the greatest marketing they have. They motivate us to get up every day and grab our phones. We're motivated to do it. 
You made an investment in it. You made an investment in it. They made it simple enough, so now it's, we can do it without thinking about it. We can just hit a button, boom, boom, get the information. We're motivated. We make a post. We want to see how many people like us. So you respond to us. When they respond, you're going to be notified they respond and get you to do something else. And they get you to do something else. Every time there's a response, you respond. Then we're taught, if you don't respond, you're a bad person. And now they got us in a habit, a ritual. And they locked us in. And then they lock us in further by getting us to make an investment because our database of friends, our motive of communication is there. Brilliant. That's why I look at it and I say, huh. I don't have a post from Mark Zuckerberg, so why don't I try to be Mark and look for the next best thing? First thing is that I'm not saying anything about social media. That's just an example. However, when you see the world going in one direction, try to go the opposite. Step back. Sit on top of the mountain in your thoughts and look at it from a different viewpoint. I'm not saying don't do it. I'm not saying don't invest in social media. I'm saying it's that when you change the way you look at things, things you look at will change. And understand how can you apply that same technique in your marketing, in your family? How can you take that same technique of getting people, person motivated, getting them to the point where it becomes habitual, where they get good at it, doing it over and over and over and over, and get them to the point where they can't live without it because they made an investment to it. That means that they keep coming back, keep coming back, keep coming back. Years ago when they had cocaine and Coca-Cola, that was their way. Corn fructose syrup certainly does the same exact thing, but it's all about distraction. So in your story, you get to distract. You get to dispute. James, I don't care about what you say, James. It makes me feel better. Okay, great. And inspire people to take the same actions over and over and over. In your marketing, how can you apply that? How can you take the story of what product or service you want to bring to market and create the story band, the hero's journey, how can you create that story that gets people to invest in the things you want to bring to the marketplace? How do you take your life, your family, and create the story that will take you through the woods of Oz? The story. We get to create it. We got to start writing. We got to draft it out. Because remember, it could take a person from a journey within themselves to places they can never go by themselves. So you paint a picture with your story and you allow people to see their lives inside of the story. I told this story before, I'm gonna tell it again. And I got this story, my wife told me the story and I said it again on the radio. And I want to say it in a different way. And I'm gonna tell you the story and just follow me. But before I do that, let me give you a, a second, I'm gonna give you two stories. There's a man on the L train, he has four children, he sits in the seat, slumps down, and the L's going. I can hear the noise, the underground train, and you hear the noise that they make, and the kids are running rampant up and down the train. I want you to see these kids running rampant, knocking over newspapers, bumping into people. They're loud, they're rambunctious. They're like the ages of 12, 11, 8, and 6, and they're just running. They keep bumping into a lady, and the other passengers are getting disgusted. And, and one lady walks up to the man and says, uh, you know, what kind of father are you that you would have these unruly children running up and down this train like this? You ought to be ashamed of yourself. Please, sir, get your children under control. Naturally, she had a right to be a little upset. You know, he kept falling over in her husband's lap. 
Her husband looks up with a solemn face. He says, ma'am, I'm so sorry. I apologize. I, I just don't know what's happening right now. We just left the hospital and their mother just passed away a few moments ago. I just don't know how to handle it. And perhaps they don't. So please accept my apology. In a moment, her paradigm shift and she went from anger to empathy. She put her hands on his shoulder. Now they still got the kids in order, but the perception had everybody in a place. The reality took them to another place. That's what I mean about your story can take a person from a journey that they're going on within themselves. Someplace they can't go by themselves. When the young lady comforted the man, he made a shift. He was so thankful. It made him feel better to have the power of the human connection of empathy, of love in the middle of a mess. When you been when you feel like you uh, you've been in a past the boundaries of guilt and shame, you you've, there's a transgression that the people are judging you, and now the human side shows up, and you're allowed to make mistakes, but it's not over. It's just a moment. Let's take another break. Let's come right back. I'm gonna tell you my second story. Come right back. We'll be right back in two minutes. Live up to your fullest potential. This is the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Please join Dr. Sarah, a.k.a. Dr. Red, on an amazing journey of love, soul, abundance, compassion, and authenticity. Dr. Red is a well-renowned healer, hypnotherapist, author, and speaker who has overcome personal challenges to emerge stronger than ever before to reach out to you and heal you emotionally, mentally, and spiritually for the most informative and enriching experience filled with unbridled laughter and insights on life, health, culture, and society. Tune in to Dr. Red says. Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific, 4 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Empowerment. Are you looking for life's answers? How about the meaning of true self? Can you really be a better person overnight? Well, good luck with that. Now, if you really want to know more about this insane world and life we lead, tune into Dr. Gary Bell's Absurd Psychology. You'll learn about how the brain operates under different psychological conditions. Some common sense. Heck, you might just actually learn something. Listen Fridays at 9 a.m. Pacific, 12 noon Eastern on Voice America Empowerment. You're listening to Black Friday, every Friday here on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Grow. Evolve. Change. You're tuned in to The James Stentley Show. We'd love to hear from you via email with questions and comments. Drop us a line to JD at thejamesstentleyshow.com. Again, that's JD at thejamesdentleyshow.com. Now, back to the show. Now, before I tell the second story, uh, just remember that the energy, the power, the frequency, the vibration you put into your story gives you the ability to, uh, to touch the heart, unlock that heart, expand the mind, and to ignite the spirit. You can do that by the way you use your voice, by the content of your words. But to become an effective storyteller, you must become fully self-expressed. You must invest yourself in the story and don't be afraid to live it again. Because when you can live it again, it has no power over you. 
you've taken control of the story and made it your own. After all, what the devil meant for bad, God meant for good. So, the second story, story of an elderly lady and she calls for a taxi cab. It's late at night and a young man gets the call and he normally, at this time of night, it's his time to knock it off and go home. He's tired and working out all day. And he gets a call and for some reason he takes the call. And he gets the address. And when he drives to the address, he's on the street that doesn't seem pretty safe. Doesn't seem like he wants to get out of his car. Sees a lot of kids at the corner and the lights are beaming down. It's 11 o'clock at night, street lights are beaming. Some of them are even out. It's a really dark street, but you still see the lights beaming down from the street. And the lights from the store where all these young teenagers are hanging out and making a lot of noise. He pulls down the street. He barely can see the address because it's so dark. He can barely see the address. So he honks the horn, honk, honk, and he looks. Here's it again, honk, honk. He doesn't want to be there. He normally wouldn't take a fare that late, but for some reason, he stayed, but nobody came out. Something told him to go knock on the door. He never gets out of his car. <clears throat> he never gets out of his car late at night to go knock on the door, especially in a neighborhood such that he was in. But something said to go and knock on the door anyway. He walks up seven stone steps, gray stone. He gets to the door and he knocks on the door. He sees a figure through the curtains of the window approaching the door. They were small in stature, short and petite. As they got closer, he could tell it was a woman and she was carrying a small bag. She opens up the door, he steps back and she says, uh, ma'am, I've been blowing my horn waiting for you. And a young, an old, older woman said, well, please forgive me, I didn't hear it. I, I had a lot on my mind. Thank you so much. Thank you for waiting. So he says, may I take your bag? And she says, thank you. And she hands him the bag, he takes it in his hand. She turns around and she locks the door to her home. He waits for her as she turns around and grabs her by the arm, knowing and seeing that she's frail. She's an older woman and he's raised with great manners. He walks her down the steps, one step at a time, as she was weak and frail. When he gets to the bottom of the steps, he walks her over to the taxi cab, still with, with his arm holding up her elbow. He opens up the taxi door and helps her in. He takes the bag. He helps her into the taxi. She gets her foot in and he closes the door. He walks around to the other side and sets her bag on the back seat next to her, closes that door. He opens up his door, closes it, puts his seatbelt on, adjusts his mirror, and he says, ma'am, where would you like to go? She said, well, I have a destination, but first, can you just take me downtown? I'll be glad to tip you for it. He said, where would you like to go? He said, I want to go by the lake. And when you get by the lake, I'll, I'll tell you where to go from there. So he proceeds to drive. And as he's driving, he's not saying much. And she's not saying much. Is everything okay back there? Yes, young man. Thank you. Thank you so much. So as they continue to drive, I can see the lights coming inside of the windows of the taxi. I can see the light hitting the seat. See the lights outside. Houses as they go by. She so get on the expressway. And they go downtown. You see, they happen to be in Chicago. So he goes by the lake. 
And she says, I just so always love being by the lake. I used to spend all of my, my childhood days playing, enjoying. I loved it when my parents would bring me here. So young man, I want to stop by my church. Can you please go to 45th and Prairie? He gets the address from the, the older lady and he turns his car around and drives by the church. He's thinking to himself, it's 11, 15 at night. Who's at church this late? He gets on this other dark street, pitch black. He sees the outline of a church. He says, ma'am, there's no one here. She says, I, I, I know, but I grew up here. And I always had so much joy being here. He said, well, ma'am, um, I have to get in pretty soon. Where's your final destination? She hands him a piece of paper and he grabs it. And before he can open it, he says, uh, this is to a clinic that I'm going to tonight. It's a hospice clinic. I'm never going home again. I'm going to check in. My husband died five years ago. I don't have any family. And I want to thank you for allowing me to see the city I loved and the church that raised me just one last time. It touched his heart. In silence, he said, ma'am, it's my pleasure. And he begins to drive to the address she had given him. When he gets in front of the clinic, he sees these double doors and they're glass and they're tinted, but he can see the light and he can see a nurse moving inside. He can see a counter. He gets out of the car. He opens up the door and grabs her bag. He walks her around. He opens up the door for her, grabs her hand and helps her out of the car. As he closes the car, he says, ma'am, would you mind if I walk you in? He said, that would be lovely, thank you so much. So he grabs her arm in arm and he gets to the first door. As he approaches, the door opens up. Gets to the second door, it opens up. And as he walks through the second door, it closes. He says later that it was like a door was closing on a life that would never open again. He doesn't know what to say, what to feel. He's pretty numb. He gets her to the counter. And she says, thank you, young man. And she pays him. He says, no, no, thank you, ma'am. I can't take it. He said, please. It means a lot to me. Just take this. You have a family? He says, yes. Just take it. He takes the money, puts it in his pocket. He says, do you mind if I give you a hug? He said, that would be lovely. And he hugs her gently full and he turns away and the nurse welcomes the, the older lady and signs her in and begins to walk her back to a waiting area the taxi cab driver walks through a door it opens he walks through the second door he's numb he gets back into his car he closes the door he's fighting back tears and he sits there and tears begin to run down his face he begins to think, I was in a hurry tonight. I normally don't take fares this night. What would have happened if I didn't take this fare? I was blowing a horn, and usually I don't have any patience. What made me go knock on her door? I never do that. Better yet, what if David got a call from another driver and he wasn't as nice or kind or patient? What would have happened? He began there, and tears just began to come down his face of being thankful that he had that experience, that one encounter that would impact his life forever. That one encounter with a woman he would never ever see again 
to help her through a door that she could never, ever come back out of. Now, when you look at these stories, you know, we all have the stories that impact our lives, those defining moments, those truths. I remember a woman named Dee when I used to own a network marketing company with three other incredible gentlemen. We had a tremendous amount of success very quickly. We did about a half million dollars in 30 days. We were pretty flying high. We had a telephone, a utility company. We could do everything in telephone, internet, cell phone, whatever anybody else can do, we can do. 2005. We owned a customer base. We had our own customer care. It means answered under our brand. The bills had our brand on it. And we could buy all of our customers back after five years for a dollar. And I remember that one of our partners made a mistake on the credit card processing application and they shut us down and they held about a half million dollars of our revenue for 180 days, six months, no money. Now we counted on this money, we already counted it. Matter of fact, we already spent half of it. Some of it had to go pay salaries and commissions. And I began to call some people and, and uh, not knowing what to do. And this young lady said, she said, well, James, and now mind you, we had never personally met. We knew each other from the phone. She was married to a police officer in Alabama. I was living in Chicago. We were just friends over the phone because I was a part of a company and one of the leaders and she liked the way I spoke and liked what I stood for. And she said, well, James, I used to have a paralegal company. Why don't you get a promissory note and go out there and get some investors? I said, I don't want to get investors. I've never done that. Who would invest in me? Who's going to invest in me? She said, well, James, people like you. They'll invest in you. They'll, they'll help you. So I said, well, send me the promissory note. She had said, but I don't, will you tell me what to do with it? I don't know what to say. She said, when you get the note, I'll then teach you what to say. The next day, I got a Federal Express package, and I'm wondering why she sent it FedEx. Why didn't she send somebody fax it? But I opened up the FedEx package, and there was two promissory notes. One was blank, and the second one had her name on it, and there was a $20,000 uh, cashier's check. And she said, I'm your first investor. I took that note and went to 18 people and 18 people in a five minute conversation invested 10 to $20,000 in my vision. It wasn't a long conversation. And she gave me the belief to do something I never ever would have done by myself. You see, that's why I said a, a storyteller can use that story to take people on a journey within themselves. They can never go without. So, we get this money and, and we've been planning on for two and a half years to meet to have lunch, just to meet. And it never happened. I get a phone call one day and I find out that she had passed away in her sleep. And to this very day, I have no clue what she looks like. But that was a defining moment for me because that was one of the moments where my life shifted, where I changed my entire life. Everything changed for me that someone would believe in me like that. And to this day, I don't know what she looks like and never had the need to know because I keep her here inside of my heart. And I want you guys to know that a moment of compassion, understanding, belief in other people sometimes can transform thee, a person that they'll never, ever be the same. The Bible says, first ye be transformed by renewing of your mind. And the power of stories, the true power, lies in you using that ability to expand the mind, unlock the heart, and ignite the spirit. And it can happen to me. It happens to me many times. It happens to you. We have to pay attention. And I've learned that when I give, I exponentially get it back. Now, I don't give for that reason. It just always happens that way. 
So learn to give from the heart. Give your time, give your story. Continue to build your story. Take the limits off of your living. Take the limits off of what you expect. There's no magic in small dreams. Take the limits off. Think big. Think big. Benjamin, Benjamin E. Mays once said, it must be borne in mind that the true tragedy in life does not lie in not reaching your goals. He said the true tragedy lies in having no goals to reach for. He said it's not a calamity not to capture your ideals, but it is a calamity to have no ideals to capture. It's not a disaster not to live your dreams, but it is a disaster not to dream. And it's not a disgrace not to reach the stars. But it is a disgrace to have no stars to reach for. Because when you reach for the stars, even when you fall short, you'll come down with stardust in your hand. Before I close this broadcast, there's a story of three wise men that were retiring and trying to decide what to do in their retirement with this thing called greatness. You see, they were afraid that if the human race got a hold of it, we certainly wouldn't destroy ourselves with our egos, with our fears, with our competitiveness. We'd hurt each other. The first wise man said, I got it. Uh, why don't we stick it at the top of the highest mountain? No one's ever been up there. The other wise man said, oh, no, 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 you don't understand. These ingenious people will find a way to soar to the tops of the highest mountains in the world. Second wise man said, I got it, I got it. Why don't we stick it down in the deepest part of the ocean? They don't even know what's down there. The other wise man said, no, you don't understand. They'll find a way to light up even the depths of the sea. And both of those things we've done. But the third wise man said, I got it, I got it. Why don't we just put it inside of them? They'll never find it there. Perhaps that's what this is a good witch meant when she had told Dorothy everything you needed, you already have it inside. Each and every one of you, under the sound of my voice, has everything it takes to make your dreams a reality, to, to serve a worthier ideal, to change your community, to dare to, drink, to dream big, to dare to be the one that will make history. If you're 88 or 18, even if you're eight years old, you have a dream that's bigger than your size. You step into the shoes and let your feet fill them out all by itself. You just step into those. You step into that dream right here, right now. Take that step. Because what you want wants you. I never met a winner that didn't expect to win. And when you make that step in that journey to make those dreams a reality, it may, you may have some challenging times. Jim Rohn said it's not the blowing of the wind, but it's the set of the sail because the wind, the wind blows on us all. But you keep stepping by faith. You keep stepping, understanding that if you don't reach your goal, then it would be there waiting for you at the next bend. Because you will persist until you succeed. And you will persist until you win. That's going to end our broadcast for today. Let's tune in next Friday. And remember, there's no box, ladies and gentlemen. So we don't think outside of it because it never existed. All there is is possibility. Live your best story and live it right now. Thank you for listening to The James Dentley Show. Be sure to join James for another inspiring show next Friday at 12 noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. We'll see you here next week.